Hello and welcome to this HFS video cast uh, with me, David Cushman, and very special guests uh, Terry Welby from uh, Big Prism and Phil First from HFS. We're going to talk today about um, some research work we've been doing with Blue Prism. In partnership with Blue Prism, we've surveyed 200 senior executives across Global 2000 Enterprises, conducted deep dive interviews with a cross section of Blue Prism customers, and compared notes with the executive leadership team at Blue Prism. And of course, we've drawn on a great deal of our own knowledge about the automation market and what our expectations of it are as well in order to come up with a report that you will find available on our website and also on Blue Prisms. But today we want to dig into it a little bit and understand a bit more from, from Terry and also get the views of Bill on what Terry thought we were trying to do with this in the first place, but also um, where you see Blue Prism going in the next few years as a result, perhaps, of what you've been learning in this survey? Sure, yeah, I guess um, uh, what, we were, what we were hoping to get was greater insight. It's always powerful to, uh, to hear directly from uh, organisations, from end users about how they're using their technology and, and where they're not and why. So um, I think understanding how major enterprises uh, were organising um, their approach to automation, uh, whether things had changed because of the new climate, their level of adoption, some of the successes, some of the challenges, uh, and of course, some of the opportunities, all of this is great information and insight to help us uh, as we think about our strategy, how we support clients and how we work with them moving forward. And Phil, would you like to add anything to that? Yeah, well, um, you know, I think it's been a big game changer in the industry. You know, we've been um, observing this space since uh, well, I think we started in 2012. And, and I know Terry's been around a, a lot of that time as well in, in this integration sort of data-driven robotics domain. And um, things have changed quite dramatically, I think, in the last couple of years in terms of companies playing catch-up, companies really trying to figure out more, what are their immediate needs? Um, how do you leverage something like automation uh, a little bit more to drive customer experience and revenue and impact, not just back office fulfillment and things like that. So uh, yeah, it's been a dramatic shift in the market and uh, good to hear a bit more about Terry's views on how things have shifted from his perspective. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think uh, I think acceleration is probably one of the symptoms uh, or the outcomes of um, of this kind of pandemic uh, environment is, um, you know, the, the change programs that perhaps were in flight or were being considered have suddenly become critical to business survival or business response to um, a set of uh, unpredictable and, and rapidly changing circumstances. And I think you know, the way that organisations now approach change programmes, for me, has probably changed forever. Yeah. Good. And then I, um, I'll share a couple of the data points from the study, which I think would be really interesting to share with the audience here on um, what we're really seeing happening in the industry. So we spoke with 200 um, leaders of automation decisions uh, across the Global 2000 to really get an understanding of for example, is it taking a higher priority uh, than not? And so you can see here already, 90% uh, of those are seeing it as a much higher priority than it was. A few are sort of on the fence, but on the whole, it's much higher. And what we thought we'd do would start to look at what we termed as stragglers, sidekicks and heroes with how they're approaching automation. And um, you know, we asked companies basically, what is their priority? 
And if they were using automation for digital transformation, we had them as a hero. Whereas if they were using it merely to optimize legacy systems, uh, we saw them a bit more as a straggler. And so then we started to look at data by um, the heroes and the stragglers. And you can see here when we said, you know, talk about your company's current mindset. Um, you know, the heroes, those who are using automation in a much more transformative fashion, they're looking to rush ahead to deliver on future plans. That's so nearly three quarters of them. Whereas with uh, the stragglers, uh, that number was quite a bit lower and um, nearly sort of 40% were looking to reset and figure out how to move forward. Um, as you look at the client base you've got and the people you're talking to, Terry, um, would you say a lot of them are trying to rush ahead to deliver on these future plans or do you think many are still just in this pause mode looking around at what's going on and trying to figure out what's the next thing to do? I mean, I think there's certainly a mix out there, Phil, as you um, as you, you guys uncovered with this um, with this report and with this survey. There's a there's a, a range of approaches from those who haven't even started yet, frankly, to those who are really um, making automation a bedrock of um, of how they deliver uh, future growth and, um, and and future business strategies. So I think there's a mix. I think um, what was enlightening, I guess, is that um, the customers that are significant users of Blue Prism. Um, fall very squarely into this, this hero's um, category, which is uh, which is kind of um, a good endorsement, I guess, of the power of the technology to deliver way beyond, as it says on this slide here, way beyond just a band-aid, you know, into something that's strategically important. Interesting. And um, I think that takes me to the, the second lesson of the seven lessons we came out here, which is about really aligning automation with the cloud and data um, which is really important for success. Now, you, uh, you actually founded a company, Thoughtonomy, which was was really a, a cloud-driven automation platform that sort of fitted with Blue Prism, didn't it? It was based on the Blue Prism platform, and then uh, I think they acquired your business a few years ago. Um, so, what's your view then on how that's come together, and and what what is what is truly cloud-ready versus where companies are today? Yeah, I mean, interesting. I mentioned the. Um... The accelerant of, uh, um, of of automation during kind of pandemic times, I think it's done the same to organisations' cloud adoption, or really highlighted the power of a cloud um, a, a cloud platform in being able to uh, respond much more dynamically, much more rapidly, um, much more scalably to to changes in demand. So, um, as you say, we built the um, we built the autonomy platform using Blue Prism based on a cloud deployment to remove some of the barriers to adoption that might exist if you're in tradi traditional infrastructure deployment programs. Um, but also in order to uh, improve interoperability and the ability to access uh, sources of data uh, from across the landscape of an organization's ecosystem, because you know, increasingly what we're seeing is the business, the data that businesses run on is not just data that's internal to their organization, it's data that exists in their partner ecosystem and their supply chain, uh, in their customers um, and you know, in, in the uh, uh, in, in the greater wider world, I guess. So, you know, having a very firm strategy to using cloud and and, and being able to access data and interoperate in, in a in a dynamic way is really important. Okay. And then, um, how would you say the conversation shifted, particularly since we've been through this pandemic in a couple of years into this now? Um, I I know we've talked a lot about the importance of having IT much more bought into the conversation because you really 
there's only a certain amount you can do with any enterprise application without IT's approval and buy and write. Uh, but we're also seeing, as you can see here, um, a larger number of the C-suite starting to get much more focused on sponsoring these initiatives and conversations. Um, as you look at a lot of Blue Prism's customers, you know, you've, you've got a, some fairly heritage businesses which have worked with you for a long time. Would you say those conversations have shifted from fairly functional to more strategic uh, in the recent in the recent past? Yeah, and I think that's a combination of um, it's a combination of customer um, uh, adoption and customer. I guess the importance that customers are placing on intelligent automation um, and um, you know, the, the the impact it's having on on business strategies. It becomes something that isn't just you know a, a project in a department, whether that's an IT led project or whether it's a business led project. Uh, it becomes something that's um, uh, that's much more important to the foundations of an organisation, and therefore needs to be needs to be uh, led or uh, sponsored from the from the C-suite. Um, one of the one of the big findings, I think, from um, uh, adoption and scaling of, uh, of automation programs is that without C-suite sponsorship, without it being taken seriously and endorsed uh, as a strategic imperative for the business, then it's much much more hard. Uh, for organisations to get value from their automation initiatives, the minute you place it in the um, you know, in, in in the uh, important initiative category and at the foundation of what you're doing as a strategy, then it's uh, it suddenly uh, the level of adoption, the level of value increases significantly. Interesting. Um, and and where are you seeing automation um, being? leveraged across the organization in what areas you can see here we looked at you know your big digital platforms erp suites um workflow rpa uh even service provider solutions um you know in terms of is it generally being pulled into these digital conversations i know for example your company's made a lot of noise around its connectors with aws for example and some of the investments there, but ultimately, where are you seeing uh, most of the investments taking place at the moment? Um, I mean, I think this the, the important thing is this: this technology is not a standalone; it's part of an ecosystem. And I think what what Blue Prism have done in terms of the approach to being able to integrate with um, with other platforms is uh, is really focused on interoperability, the ability to to, to use uh, different systems and different sources of data to deliver an outcome. Um, so some of that is, um, you know, custom configured for a, a particular implementation, but increasingly having uh, connectors into some of these um, you know, leading platforms and some of these leading systems through the digital exchange is important to helping organizations accelerate. And so it's really, a, it's really a mix. It's, 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 the, it's the assets and the platforms that underpin the operation of a business that can be leveraged by automation. And, and is, there, is there a mindset shift in terms of what's leading the immediate conversation here when we look at um, you know, for example um, the one office um, we, we see from our client end um, this ability to link the customer experience the employee experience together is very very important breaking down silos and you can see here those companies struggling with success with with automation have been those struggling with internal silos versus those on the hero side are a bit more trying to figure out change management and trying to join up uh, areas and that sort of thing across companies. Um, has the conversation radically changed now to more of um, getting automation out of these little silos and getting it into a more joined up 
broader enterprise conversation. Do you see real progress there, Terry? Uh, I do, you know, and it's, we're not there yet, I don't think, but we're certainly seeing seeing progress. I, you know, I think, um, you know, this this departmental deployment of automation as a tactical productivity enhancement still exists. That's still people are still doing that, um, but you know, that's that's what we uh, refer to as wave one automation. That's kind of the easy stuff, the low hanging. Let's get some quick wins because the technology is. Is able to uh, to leverage existing systems in a kind of frictionless way through uh, through manipulating the interfaces and um, and executing process flow. That's that's kind of that's kind of the straightforward, easy, simple stuff. Um, and some organisations have kind of stopped there. But it's when you get into the kind of wave two, wave three use cases, which are about how is this underpinning um, my business performance? What's important to my business? What matters? Is it you know, is it customer experience? Is it patient care in healthcare? Is it um, you know, the, uh, the ability to operate around the clock, is it the ability to scale up and down to meet unpredictable demand? All of these, you know, each business will have its own KPIs and metrics that really matter to its operation. And if we start to think about automation as a way to unlock some of that performance, um, then it, it, it moves you into out of just the, the simple productivity stuff into something that's more strategic. And then if you step even beyond that into, into the kind of third wave, it's really thinking about now I've got this this asset, this digital workforce at my at my behest. Um, yeah, how can I really use that to do things that I couldn't have even dreamed of, or couldn't have, wouldn't have found viable using traditional means? Um, and so we're certainly seeing organisations making that shift, and the, you know, the the guys that you refer to as the heroes increasingly pushing into the boundaries of what they're doing and thinking about it completely differently. And it becomes a completely different, um, a completely different mindset. I think to use the language of your slide here. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with that. And, you know, one of the biggest shifts I've seen has been uh, some businesses, particularly during the worst times of the pandemic, were struggling with, you know, customer service um, impact with just keeping the wheels on the businesses. And, and that's where automation teams, I think some, some organizations really stepped up and started to look at automation as something that could really impact customer experience. Uh, really keep uh, critical operations moving uh, more fluidly, uh, you know, and, and, and I think its use has really uh, kicked on a lot in terms of, hey, sometimes sustaining legacy is good. Sometimes legacy needs to function, uh, function better. And, and a lot of these companies are racing into the cloud. They're trying to move very quickly and they need all the tools they can get to to be effective for them. In terms of getting help, this is the seventh lesson from the study is uh only 7% of the actual heroes we picked out were really using their internal teams for their automation journeys compared with 32% of stragglers. There's a big, big reliance on using the third-party systems integrators, these firms, and uh, to drive a lot of this for them. Um, is this something that you've seen very consistent at your client end? You're seeing a lot more involvement from, from integrators and, and reliance on third parties? I mean, I guess this was probably something of a surprise, this, uh, this outcome in terms of the, the, uh, the extent to which some of these um, organisations are using, are using third parties. There tends to typically be uh, some level of internal capability, a centre of excellence or a, a head, of, head of automation that is um, kind of driving and coordinating efforts internally. Um, but but you know, clearly there's a, uh, there's a skills requirement from, uh, from outside of an organisation that's being pulled in to help accelerate. Uh, accelerate journeys and that to some degree that may be about um you know picking up the point earlier about uh, 
accelerating the the adoption curve, the speed of adoption, the uh, the velocity of adoption um, is easier if you've got access to external skills that can that can come in, that can focus on it, that can not detract from the the day to day operation of the business, and that can deliver an outcome. So, yeah, yeah, it's it, it's it's a fascinating time, and um, and uh, the coming together of um, I think conversations in in areas like. BPM and service management and how those are dovetailing with where's the best use of RPA has been has been very prominent with a lot of companies we talk to. So as you look out at the next year or two, you know, you've you've seen this space develop a lot, Terry. What's your crystal ball? What are you seeing in your crystal ball for this space in the next 12 to 24 months? Well, I think you know, as as you've demonstrated with this uh, with this survey, as we've known for a while, this is still a very nascent technology in terms of its level of adoption. Uh, there's a huge amount of scope and, and cape and bandwidth, if you like, to for organisations to increase what they're doing with uh, with the technology. And that's you know the technology as it exists today. I think there's a huge uh, scale opportunity that still exists for people to get better value from it, for people to move through these uh, right. the ways that I that I kind of referred to. Um, so you know we can see some significant scaling up of, uh, of intelligent automation programs from organisations that have already adopted, and there are still, as I mentioned at the start, there are still uh, those out there that have yet to really get going and yet to really see the power. I think one of the things that's emerging, and you know, again, it's great to get this insight because it helps it helps to surface the use cases, the adoptions, the uh, the things that people are doing with the technology, and that. That, that kind of creates this art of the possible type mindset for, for businesses to think, well, actually, what could I be doing? What should I be doing? How could I be thinking differently? How can I, uh, how can I transform? So from adoption point of view, I think that's what we, that's what we see. Um, obviously, we see some maturing of capability in the technology, uh, particularly abilities uh, to interact um, with uh, human workforce. So you move into this kind of hybrid digital human uh, execution platform where they're all part of a, a, a kind of hybrid operating workforce that underpins a business. You know, humans do the tasks that are most suited uh, to humans and, and, and the digital workers do more. I think more and more uh, interactions um, will happen with a, a digital platform at some point in the um, uh, at some point in the uh, in the process. And that has some different requirements on the ability to uh, to interact in natural language, the ability to use unstructured sources of data and to extract information. So we're seeing a very rapid maturing of, of, uh, of our capability in, uh, in some of these areas. Interesting. And what would your advice be then to uh, professionals trying to get more leverage, uh, more career traction in this space? Um, you know, what do you think is the best things that they can do to, to get add more value to their companies in this area? I mean, there's fantastic career opportunities in this uh, in this space, as we can as we can see, and as actually demonstrated from your um, your chart about who's helping with automation programs, there's clearly a, um, an appetite and a need for for capability. You know, one of the things that uh, that we're very focused on is in, uh, is, is democratizing the use of uh, of our platform as far as possible, and that means continually looking at um, the the user experience of a of a Blue Prism user, how they interact with the platform, how they um, uh, how they learn how to use it and how quickly they can um, they can drive the adoption within their organisation. So we're very very focused on that on, on on making the platform as intuitive and easy to use as uh, as it could possibly be. And some of the recent product releases have been about you know simplifying that in, in interaction that end to end interface and also uh, thinking about how you automate the process of automation, how you use the technology 
kind of in and in and of itself to um, uh, to speed up and um, improve the process to delivering an automated outcome. So I think that's important. And what that uh, you know, how that plays into the the skills requirement is it means the individuals have to focus less on learning how to use the technology and more on what they're going to deliver as an outcome and how to interpret a business need, a business requirement or a business strategy and deliver it using um, using automation technology. Terry, just thinking about everything you've been speaking about and, and where you're seeing the automation world heading, what's the kind of end state for automation? You've talked about you know, armies of uh, automated digital folk wandering around inside organisations. Um, what does that actually mean in terms of how you want to make um, not just the, uh, the people work with the technology, but the technology work with the technology and beyond? Yeah, it's a good question. And uh, yeah, David, I don't, I don't really see an end state. I don't think there's a point at which uh, any organisation can say we're done here with this, um, you know, with this technology and the value we can get from it, because uh, not only will the technology continue to evolve and improve and, uh, and enhance, um, but the things that organisations are able to do with it and rethink and, and re-strategize will, uh, will move ahead as well. I think one of the great things you know, about what the way our technology works is its ability to drive interoperability and access to, to sources of data. Um, and if you think about that, you know, you, you tend to think about that in the context of a system of, a, of an organization's existing systems and platforms. But actually, if you think beyond that, if you think about this as a technology that allows you to access all of the new things that are being released into the um, uh, into the technology landscape, all of the new capabilities, all of the new intelligence, uh, you know, AI type, machine learning type capability. And if you can use this technology to open up that access, then effectively um, you've got a platform that can really become the underpinnings of how you use um, how you use technology, how you use systems, and how you deliver outcomes for your business. And, and Phil, how how do you see um, the future of automation? And, and in particular, picking up on Terry's point there. And we've been talking about one ecosystem as uh, our next step on on the HFS journey. How does that all fit together in your head? Well, I mean, ecosystems are all about um, collaborating with um, other organisations with a common goal, common purpose. And um, I think companies are going through. I think we call it these three horizons of change concurrently. One is. Uh, just just becoming digitally proficient. The second one is moving more into the one office, which is more about internal end-to-end -end alignment between customer and employee processes. And then this third vision is, we call it one ecosystem, we should point out, which is multiple organizations across industries uh, where we have common goals that we have to partner with and, um, and collaborate with to manage that customer lifecycle and think more externally about how we operate in the world today and I think that's where uh, some of these automation capabilities become increasingly important. So if you're a CPG company or a retailer, you can't function today if you're not pushing your products through AWS or Alibaba or some of these other sites, for example. So you need to figure out um, how to connect, how to uh, interact, how to be more effective with these, in these environments. And I think automation has a big, big part to play connecting businesses enabling far more self-autonomous uh, uh, capabilities uh, to function more effectively. I don't think we can function without it. And I think it's becoming more embedded as an attitude um, within, within organizations that if we can't automate, can't automate in the cloud, we can't automate in our ecosystem, uh, we're not going to function effectively. So I just think it's becoming more and more 
critical. Um, it's more of an attitude. It's not about do I have a PhD in algorithmic science. It's do I understand my business and the data I need to be effective and the processes that have to be designed to get there. So I think we're going through a huge process of change. I think we're only at the start of it, to be honest. I think we're going to look at another five years of figuring out how to operate effectively in this environment. But think employee experience, customer experience, and partner experience coming together as, as one big uh, need in the industry. So, Terry and Phil, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, really appreciate hearing um, from both of your perspectives and really exceptional wisdom that's uh, very helpful for me and I'm sure very helpful for everyone watching and listening today. So from us today, thanks very much. And uh, we hope you'll be joining us on the next video call.